everybody, this is uh, Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy, and this is called Talking Truth. I'm with my buddy Brian Clark. Brian, tell everybody hello. Well, hello, everybody. <laughs> Another great episode of Talking Truth. Joined today with my buddy Nat. Hey-oh. Uh, we love Nat. Nat's with us today. Now, I always make jokes about Nat's who we get when we have cancellations, but we actually invited Nat on this one today. I, I thought no I, cancellations or nothing. Nothing? No, nothing. Damn. Now we do have I do have I'm trying to line up a bunch of folks to come on. Mm-hmm. Um uh which we will do, but I was the special guest today. You're the special guest today. Oh, well, man. I got to have you. Special. You know what? I got to have you we every now and then these things. I appreciate you know, that. You're part of the three-man team here. So. All right, let's go. But anyway, we are on here just uh, try to bring some hope. Everybody's got a hole in their heart. We want you to find Jesus uh, like we all have done. I am uh, not as a school, of course, as these theologians I have with me, Brian and, and Nat, but I'm a regular dude. I love Jesus. I have hope in Jesus, and I know that people follow my social media accounts. They know I do this. Hopefully, you'll pop on, and you'll give us a listen, and uh, you'll you'll find the peace that I've also found along with my two buddies here. But anyway, what's going to happen is Brian's going to read uh, a nice little message here, and uh, then we're just going to chime in and talk about it. This is unscripted. The only thing that's scripted is Brian's thing here, but... Uh, Nat and I are just going to join in and express our thoughts. Swing All it. right. Sound good, everybody? <laughs> All right, Brian, let's go. All right, here we go with the script. This is Black Sheep of the Family, by the way. All right. So most people are familiar with the word And grace. the title, sorry, Brian, and the title of this is The Adulteress. <laughs> Would you like to start, Brian, that or do you want to keep waiting? The the adulteress. Adulteress. Right That's there. the title. <laughs> okay, The Adulteress. Most people. By the <laughs> way, sorry, Brian, we're taping this on a Wednesday. So uh, just right. letting people know when we're doing it. <laughs> Mo- you know, Dan, the temperature Mo- of the Mo- day. <laughs> Sorry, Brian, all right. All right here we go. <laughs> Most people are familiar with the word grace. We sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It's terminology we throw around without really much thought. It's nice. It's comforting. But for the most part, it has little impact on our daily lives. But to truly understand grace is to be uncomfortable. It runs contrary to what we think is fair and right. Sometimes it seems downright scandalous. Take, for example, David, the king of Israel. God blessed David, and the kingdom was safe and prosperous. As a matter of fact, things were so secure that when the army went out to fight, David stayed home instead of leading the army to battle as kings were expected to do. While his army was out fighting, David spent the afternoon napping. When evening came, he was walking on the roof of his house, and he saw a beautiful woman bathing. He inquired about the woman and learned she was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Uriah was part of David's elite band of soldiers. He was out fighting while David was home napping. It's not hard to see where this story is going. David took her, he slept with her, sent her back home. Her name, Bathsheba. The only words she speaks in this entire story are the words she sends back to David, I'm pregnant. So now what? David brings Uriah back from the front for a little R&R, hoping he will sleep with his wife and think she is pregnant with his child. But Uriah refuses to sleep with his wife while his fellow soldiers are out fighting the enemy. 
There's no question Uriah's integrity and loyalty are meant to contrast David's selfish and lustful behavior. So David sends Uriah back to the front and gives orders for the commander to move Uriah to the most dangerous part of the battle in order for him to be killed. Soon David receives word that Uriah the Hittite is dead. After Bathsheba mourned the required time period, David brings her into his house and makes her his wife. To be clear, one of many wives. The writer simply states what David did was evil in the sight of the Lord. Eventually, Nathan the prophet, speaking for God, confronted David for what he had done. David repented of his sin and begged God to forgive him. Although David was forgiven by God, the consequences of his sin would be felt for the rest of his life. David's family would never be the same again. Sadly, the son conceived by David and Bathsheba died. The text continues to remind us that Bathsheba was the wife of Uriah the Hittite, and David took her from him. Given all that's transpired, it seemed right that David would not have relations with Bathsheba ever again. That's why it's so shocking to read that David once again had relations with Bathsheba, and she conceived a son. I mean, I'm thinking, what? After all the evil David had done, he should not be allowed to touch her again. I mean, hands off. She shouldn't belong to David. God needs to stop this. If that doesn't already stretch our sensibilities of what is right and wrong, what comes next seems so offensive it's hard to even process. We are told that the son born to David and Bathsheba will be named Solomon. And God said that Solomon will be the next king of Israel. I mean, what? David had lots of wives and lots of sons. I mean, why choose the son of an adulterous relationship? When we read the record of the family line of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, we read these shocking words. Solomon came from David and Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah the Hittite. I mean, really? That just doesn't seem right to me. It seems crazy that Matthew highlights David and Bathsheba's adultery. I mean, why advertise this? Why not sweep this part of the story of Jesus under the rug? Well, in a word, grace. This was the whole point of Jesus coming to be the Savior of the world. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. You, me, David, Bathsheba, all of us. We deserve condemnation. But God offers us not only forgiveness, he even offers us his favor. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Let's bring in Dan and Nat. Let's talk about this. Or maybe better yet, they'll even sing one verse of amazing grace for us. <laughs> Amazing grace. Well, Elvis. Oh, that's good. Well, it's, you know, when we do all these stories from the Old Testament, and it just makes me happy. It makes me sad that I've done a bunch of dumb stuff. It makes me happy that it's forgiven and that it's wiped away. Uh, it's not that, and, and, and 
there's problems from decisions that you make in your life. There's all sorts of problems, but uh, just like David, the rest of the way, the rest of the way, you repent of your sins and you start getting sanctified from the inside out and God restores you. And it's I just love stories like this uh, with David. And Now, this isn't to say that uh, just because you're a Christian and you love Jesus, you can go and go. Oh, you know what? I can go ahead and do this. God's going to forgive me anyway. I mean, you can't you can't do things like that, you know. But it's just such a great story that you're never too far gone. Like a lot of people, I've talked to some people. You know, you get an opening and you try to share Jesus with them, and you always get this. Ah, well, uh, I've done too many bad things. I've done so much stuff. It's not going to work for me. But I appreciate you talking to him. No, I mean, and it's stories like this that remind us no one is too far gone. No one has done anything so horrible that you can't be redeemed from Christ. Mm. And that's why I love this story, especially about David, where God calls him uh, someone after his own heart after all the things he did. Hmm. Now, his life was messed up. For sure. He had to pay those consequences, but he's going he's gonna to live in heaven. That's a fact. Hmm. Brian, obviously, you mentioned that David would have had other wives, other children, yet this story is highlighted above all those other stories, and Nathan calls him out on it. Why, why this particular transaction? What is it about this story that should grab our attention. Yeah, I think it's it's the unexpected grace of God. Hmm. It's just when you when you really think about what transpired, and then you, then you think about Matthew actually identifies that David took this wife hmm. through an adulterous relationship. He never should have had her, hmm. and yet the the text in Samuel says. God chose Solomon. David didn't choose him. Hmm. God chose him. It it just all seems contrary to our sense of what's hmm. right and wrong. Hmm. Which goes to show you God's ways aren't our ways. Yeah. We can't fathom. We're only it's amazing human grace. beings. We can't fathom the creator of the world, how he does things. So, so think of it this way. If you're David or Bathsheba or Solomon, you love grace. Hmm. But what if you're part of the family of Uriah? And David killed him, hmm. had him killed, or Bathsheba's family, and all of a sudden, this guy's being rewarded for what he did to devastate your family. I mean, grace at that point looks a little different. It it it's like, why would God do that? God God should have punished David. It's kind of that tension between justice, which is probably what they would have wanted, hmm. and grace, which which is amazing. Well, and, and that's very true. And I think when we read stories like this, we all have that reaction if, if we're honest with ourselves. But as Dan pointed out, he may have been forgiven in the, in the cosmic sense. Sins are forgiven, wiped clean, man after God's own heart. But let's be clear, the consequences would ripple for years. And I think that's an important reminder for us all. As we strive to become more Christ-like, as we move towards Jesus, we should aim to live, to live a life pleasing to him. But we also know that when we do mess up, God's grace is sufficient. His forgiveness is permanent. But we should really second 
guess those desires to sin because there are consequences. And I even would argue that I think those consequences are a form of God's grace. They're a reminder for us to think through what we're doing, how we're going to do it. So, Brian, uh, let me just ask you, uh, uh, because that was a good question about Uriah and his family. He died in battle all because of something David did. How would that family react? If it was me um, and I was unsaved and that happened, I would be furious that God did that. Yeah. So that's why I say I, I think if you really understand grace— it is disturbing. There's a sense in which it is scandalous. You know, somebody breaks into your house and murders your wife and goes to prison, but before they die, they accept Jesus as Savior. They're, go- they're going to heaven. And that all just seems scandalous. It's contrary to what, what we think justice is all about. But I think part of that, too, is if you see yourself as self-righteous and a really good person— then in your mind, that's not fair. If you see yourself as a sinner right. under the condemnation of God, then grace is a beautiful thing. Right. So a, to an unbeliever it that, that, right. that buys into their own self-righteousness, right. they, don't, they see it as unfair. That's why they're offended by it. That's why these prison stories of people coming to Jesus before they die are so offensive to them. For us as Christians, we realize... We're, we're no different. We too were under the condemnation of God, and it's only by grace we're saved. So I, right. I don't know that an unbeliever is going to understand that until they experience salvation themselves. But as a follower of Christ, we realize yeah. that we have the same grace. Yes. And the verse where it rains on the just and the unjust because we live in a fallen world. That's just the consequences of a fallen world. But we, so I get it. Okay, so I would just come to realize, yeah, that's that stinks. But one day, you know, I I have the same grace. Yeah. So the same grace yeah. will apply to me. It's the only basis by which any of us are saved. Well, well right. and the grace that was offered to David was available to yeah. Uriah's family. Yeah. It was available to everyone. Yeah. And that's why I have to remind myself of the gospel daily. Because if I'm not careful, I begin to think I deserved it because I didn't have the affair and have someone killed. But at the end of the day, I'm a sinner just like everybody else. I am no different than David or Hitler or anyone else in, in again, the, the, con, in the idea of we're all sinners. Sin condemns. It's offensive to God. Therefore, the grace I received, I should want everyone else to experience. I need to approach them and think about them that way instead of getting angry. But that's why I always have to first go back to myself, my own story, and remind myself, man, you're no different. That grace that you relish and love and and embrace, it's the same thing that they need, the thing that's going to fill their that hole in their heart and quench their thirst for their soul. That's it. It's, well, the, no, same, I, it's the same grace that's offered to someone who has deeply wounded and offended you. Yep. So, I, you know, I've said over the years, I don't think any of us really understand our theology of grace until you've been deeply wounded by someone mm-hmm. and are expected to forgive them. Mm. It's like that's when you start to see, do I really believe this or not? Right. Well, I don't like that as much. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. I mean, I watched something the other day where a guy went on to face the murder of his friend or whatever, a relative, and mm. he said, hey, God forgave me, so I'm forgiving him. And I mean, it's like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, but I mean, that's how, that's how we're supposed to do it. Yeah, I saw so, it. Go ahead. It's, so it's kind hard of to, to not be angry, and but, sure. you know. So back to your your question, Dan. I don't really expect unbelievers to understand it. Right. But for anyone who feels the weight and shame of their sin, right. there's good news that God's grace is amazing and God's grace is enough. And that's the cool thing about what we're doing here, talking truth. We're trying to let people know what true Christianity is and fake Christianity. That's what we're doing here. It's not about religion. It's about Jesus and following Jesus and what that means. And man, Brian, that's that, and that's cool. Grace is a big part of it. Absolutely. That's today's episode of Talkin' Truth. Next week, the guys will introduce you to a man named Ahaz. He was spineless, clueless, and the worst king ever noted in the Bible. Yet, he's in the bloodline of Christ. Why? Find out next week. Until then, check out our resources at TalkinTruth.com. That's talk, the letter N, truth.com. Get her done.